0: Amen. Are you legal? I see the gears are turning. Some people are thinking, you know, what's he mean, are you legal? How many of y'all know that uh, we really we're going to be t- talking about, ministering about righteousness? And uh, how many of y'all know we have mentioned that righteousness is not really a religious term? Righteousness is a legal term, which ma- it literally means innocent. It means in right standing with the governing authorities. And so... When we're talking about righteousness, hence the title, Are You Legal? And how many of y'all know that, how many of y'all, and be honest, you raise your hands, you go ahead and be honest, how many of y'all have ever driven your car with an expired tag, or where I came from, we used to have inspection stickers, okay? And you weren't necessarily, you didn't intend to be illegal, maybe it just slipped your mind, maybe you got the bill, it got misplaced, and for a couple of days before you could get down to the tag office, you were riding around on an illegal tag. How many, anybody here? All right, I was glad to see I'm not the only one to do it. Amen? And how many of you know that when you became aware of the fact that you were driving around illegal, amen, that every time a poli- you passed a police officer, before, you didn't think nothing about it. But when that tag was out, you go, Oh, I hope he don't turn around and come back and get me. Like he's going to look in his rearview mirror and see that little one-by-two-inch tag is out on the back of your car, right? But there's a feeling of... of Man, i I could get in trouble any moment. Why? Because something was illegal. Amen. How many of you know that 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 when you have that feeling, you don't have confidence, do you? You don't want you don't want to be driving your car. And this is okay. How's this example? You're in your car, and the sticker's dead, and the police are, or one of your or one of your brake lights is out, and you know it. And you're sitting at a stoplight and Georgia State Patrol pulls up behind you. Lord, please don't let him pull me over. Please don't let him see that tag. Amen? That'll get you. That'll get your prayer life going, won't it? Why? Because you have a consciousness of there's something that's with you. And in that example, in your vehicle that is illegal, that if the law caught up with you, they could give you a fine. There would be consequences for the fact that there was something illegal about your vehicle. You weren't in compliance with the legal codes. Hence, you're not legal, okay? You're not righteous before the law because you're in violation of what the law says. And so the, and so when you have that feeling, you don't have confidence. Now this is the thing. When your tag's good, when all your marker lights are working, your brake lights are good, you're driving the speed limit. I ain't one of these people... You please tell me there's no one in here that... If you're... Okay, here's a, here's a, a two-question, multiple-choice question. You're driving down the interstate. The posted speed limit is 70. Okay? Your tag is good. Your All your lights are good. And there's a Georgia State Patrol driving 62 miles an hour on the interstate. Do you, A, fall in behind him because you're so paranoid about the man going to get you that you don't even want to pass him when you could do it legally? Or do you, B pull over in the passing lane make sure you're going 70 miles an hour and pass him and wave when you go by <laughs> amen do you a or b amen you b okay you might not wave but you get over in the passing lane and if you're going 70 miles an hour you pass him and you don't have any you don't have any feelings of dread of oh I hope he don't pull me over why because you are in compliance with the law, you're being righteous. There's nothing illegal about your vehicle. There's nothing illegal about you going over and making a safe pass and going the speed limit. And so you have confidence that you can get out and you can drive and you can drive past a man, right? It doesn't bother you. Well, you know what? In the church, there's a a teaching that really, I know the, the denomination I grew up in, that teaching of, oh, you're just an old sinner saved by grace. Oh, you know you're not righteous before the Lord... And, and, and so, I want to mention to you is the two most commonly misused scriptures used to destroy the believer's consciousness of righteousness. Because going back to that example of you're driving on the highway, everything's legal about your car, your tag's good, sticker's good, everything's legal, all your lights are working, the police officer's driving 8 miles per hour below the speed limit or 10 miles per hour below the speed limit, and you have confidence. To pass him, why? Because you know everything i 'm doing is in legal compliance with the, with the law, and there 's nothing that he could do to me because i 'm not violating any law. Do you know that God wants you to have that same confidence when it comes to the things of God when it comes to things when it comes to the things of the kingdom of heaven, God wants you to be conscious of the fact. You are, in right, you are in right standing with the governing authority. Remember, we've said, we've said before that righteousness means you are in right standing, you are in compliance with the laws of the ruling authority, right? And when you have that, you have confidence, okay? And so, but there's, you know, that the teaching that you are not righteous, oh, you'll never be righteous, and it's silly, it's just completely silly when you think about it. The people that will argue with you and teach, and it's several denominations. I would wager to say that it is most of the Christian world. It almost, you know, I've, I've been in, you know, this, this camp, whatever camp, you know, you want to say that I'm in, uh, long enough now to where it seems foreign to me for anyone to ever think that they were un- unrighteous. But I rem- you realize most believers probably are robbed of the fact of, I am righteous. I, and they can't say it. Oh, they couldn't look you in the eye and ever say, I'm righteous. And if you looked them in the eye and said, you know what? I'm righteous before the Lord. they go, oh, you hypocrite. Or you old prideful thing. You, a hypocr- you know you ain't righteous. You know you ain't righteous. You understand this, though, is that when, you're, when you have no confidence toward God, when you feel like, when you have, uh, E.W. Kenyon called it sin consciousness, Sin consciousness versus righteousness consciousness okay you're conscious of something you know, you know what it means to be self-conscious you know if you if you get a, if you get a big pimple on your face <laughs> amen and you're like puberty was a long time ago and I got a big zit on my face I'm embarrassed about that okay and you're conscious about it and you'll carry on a conversation with someone and you think everybody's automatically staring at it right okay they looking you're like I know they're looking right at that thing they're probably thinking I want to pop it you know okay don't do that okay you become conscious of it to where it's a distraction to you. Okay? If a believer, if as believers we do not have a proper self-image of what God says we are, if we become, if you will, more sin conscious, then you are righteousness conscious. Amen? And really, you don't want to be sin conscious at all. You want your heart to be sensitive to where when you miss it, that you know your heart condemns you and you can go to the Father and you can get forgiveness and be cleansed. But you don't want to be walking around all the time, oh, you know, I'm just a worm. I'm just so unworthy. You want to know that you are righteous, that you are in right standing with the authority and that that if if the Lord Jesus Christ appeared in the vision right in front of you, you'd fall down probably, you'd fall down and worship Him but you wouldn't have to have any feelings of inferiority or, or oh, this or whatever. Why? Because you know you're in right standing with Him. You're in right standing. You're in compliance with His laws. And so... I want to take a look at a couple of the scriptures real quick. Turn to Isaiah 64 6. Isaiah chapter 64. Man, I tell you what, I wish I had I wish I had about a dollar for every time I took the beating from this scripture. Amen. Isaiah 64 6. And you've probably all heard this if you've been in church any time at all. You've probably heard this or heard someone tell you this. It says, For all, uh, for all of us uh, have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like filthy garments, and all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities are like the wind and take us away. And the New King James Version says, For all of us are like an unclean thing, and our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf heart. And usually that's where they stop. You know, you'll hear someone say, well, you know, our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. How many of y'all have heard that before? Have heard, and, and have heard it, someone telling you that, well, you know what, brother? You know, if we, if we're all just, you know, we, you know, you might do your best, but you know, your righteousness is just like filthy rags before the Lord. We've heard that. Amen. And usually, let me ask you does that minister grace to you? Does that minister good feels? Or does that make you think, man, I stink. God how could God even like me? My righteousness is as filthy rags for the Lord. Okay? And uh, hold your place right there and turn to Romans chapter three real quick. I'm gonna give you the other one. So so the one that you hear a whole lot is, Oh, your righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord, yo filthy thing, yo filthy, dirty thing, you you're filthy, filthy, filthy. You're a filthy rag. Boy, that just makes you feel good, don't it? Woo, tell me that good news again. Give me that gospel again. That you're just a filthy rag, okay? Romans chapter 3, starting with verse 9, Apostle Paul writing and he says, What then are we better than they? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks all are under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. Okay, I'm just going to stop right there. How many of y'all have heard that one? Oh, there's no righteous. No, not one. There's no, You know what? You're just an old filthy rag. There's no right. You know, don't you think that God owes you anything, you know, you, you're, that you could get anything from God because you know, you're just an old filthy rag and there's none righteous. No, not one. <laughs> sounds like something I'd say on Hee Haw, wouldn't it? How many of y'all remember Hee Haw? You know, that <laughs> deep, dark depression, excessive misery? That sounds like That sounds like Haw gospel to me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Oh, gloom, despair, and agony on me. How many, but how many of y'all have heard that? Maybe you grew up in a church hearing that. Oh, you know what? You're righteous. You're just like filthy rags before the Lord. And you know, uh, uh, there's none righteous. No, not one. So you just, you just, oh, sorry thing. You just, you just better count your blessings that God's even in a good mood going to let you into heaven one day. Ain't that the way come across? Okay, let's read something. And I said this is two of the scriptures that are most commonly uh, misused, misinterpreted, misapplied, if you will, because t- going back to Isaiah, and that verse says, for all of us have become like one who's unclean, and our uh, righteous deeds are like a filthy garment or filthy rags, okay? Let's just back up, and I'm, I'm going to start reading at verse 1 and read to you. Because how many of y'all know, you got to know, one of, the greatest, one of the greatest problems with teaching topical sermons is sometimes you can pull verses out of their context and make them say something that they don't. Well, let's read this in its context. you understand this? This is during the, the ministry of Isaiah the prophet. Israel is backslid on God. Judgment's about to come because that for, for generations they've been backslidden against God. They've violated His commandments. And listen to what Isaiah is saying. Oh, that thou would rend the heavens and come down. That the mountains might quake at thy presence, as fire kindles the brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nation may tremble in thy presence. When thou didst awesome things, when we did not expect, thou didst come down, the mountains uh, the mountains quake at thy presence. From old they have not heard nor perceived by ear, neither has the eye seen God besides thee, who acts on the behalf of one in, uh, who waits for him." Thou dost meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness, who remembers thee in thy ways. Behold thou wast angry, for we sinned. For we sinned, we continued in them a long time. Amen. It says we continued in them a long time, and shall we be saved? For all of us have become like one unclean, and our righteous deeds are like filthy garments. So what Isaiah is doing here, and you'll see this a lot really, it's it's typical in the old testament of a prophet who will be crying out to the Lord or praying to God and he'll be confessing the sins of his nation. You know, what, where was it? Uh, I believe Nehemiah. I believe you can read about Nehemiah doing it. I believe you can read about Daniel doing it. So it's common in the Old Testament that a pro- that the person would go before the Lord and they would just lament before God and pray and confess the sins of the nation and ask God's forgiveness. And so you take this verse in its context, and isaiah the reason Isaiah is saying we are, like, you know, we are like one who is unclean, our righteousness is like filthy rags before you, Lord, it's because we've sinned and we've done it for a long time. You've given us time to repent, but we've not repented. We've kept right on sinning, and because as a nation we've turned our back on you, our righteousness has become as filthy rags before you. Okay, can you see that context? it's not and so that's that's only applicable now you do realize that as a believer if you act unrighteously you can compromise your standing with the ruling power right we're going to talk about that okay there's a difference between uh, affecting the relationship and, and your actions okay but anyway we'll, we'll get into that but you understand, you can see here that he is saying what he's saying is is he's repenting you we've sinned we've compromised our righteousness you understand? Back at the beginning of Isaiah, what he said: "Come, let us reason together, though your sins be like sorry. And he's telling them, you know, okay, your sins, uh, you know, they're undercover; they've not come completely manifest now. But come with me reason together with me, and let's get you restored. That's a, that's, a, that's the first chapter in Isaiah. But here, Isaiah is lamenting; he's confessing the sins of the nation. He's asking God for you. He's confessing the fact we've sinned; we've sinned against you for a long time; we've compromised our righteousness. Okay, and so that's why he was Isaiah was saying. Uh, that he did; that they were their righteousness was as filthy rags. Now back over in Romans chapter three. Romans chapter three. If you read this all in its context, now I'm not going to read this whole chapter. I'll read some portions from it. But I would suggest to you go and read Romans chapter three. Just read that whole chapter of Romans chapter three. Read it in a couple of different translations. Okay, the New Living Translation reads is a real smooth reading contemporary uh, uh, version of the Bible. It's not necessarily a translation, uh, even though it calls itself a translation. But the new, li- new Read the New Living Translation. Uh, read the New King James. Read the New American Standard. Maybe even read the Amplified or an NIV. Read that entire third chapter because when you read this entire third chapter in its place, when Paul is saying here, there is none that are righteous, not even one, I'm going to read you a couple of places that... That it, he's referencing because you know you notice a lot of Bibles this might be in parentheses it might be in an inset column or something like that letting you know that Paul is referencing some Old Testament scripture okay turn to Psalms chapter 14 Psalms chapter 14 and we're going to read verses one through 3 this is I'm going to give you two uh, scriptural citations that, that where Paul is making reference to this, okay? Psalm 14 1. Remember, we're talking about there is none righteous, not even one. Okay? Psalm 14. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, this verse right here, that makes the context real plain, doesn't it? Is he talking about is he talking about people who are in covenant with God? Is he talking about people who are believers? No. He said, the fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. Who is corrupt? The fools. They are corrupt and have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside and have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. The context of that scripture is is the fool. The fool who says in his heart there is no God. The fool who, because he lives his life like there is no God, and because he doesn't know God, doesn't know God's commandments, doesn't know what God says, this is my commandments for you to, re- to, to ha- obtain righteousness or right standing before me. <coughs> Excuse me. It's the fool, okay? I want to give you the other uh, reference here. And it's uh, Psalm 53. Psalm 53, verses 1 through 3 uh, again. See if you see a pattern developing here. Psalm 53, 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable injustice. There is no one who does good. God has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there is anyone who understands, who seeks after God. Every one of them is turned aside and they have become corrupt. There is no one that does good, not even one. Okay, so you run the, re- the Scripture references of the Scriptures that Paul was even talking about. He's talking about the fools. He's talking about someone that does not... You know, the Bible says a fool uh, says in his heart there is no God. The fool does not even like to acknowledge the fact that there is a God. Okay? And so you understand that. If that's the pool of people that you're, that you're surveying, <laughs> okay, if, there, if, if one of the criteria of a fool is... The fool says there's no God. If you take ten fools, how many of those fools do you think are going to be righteous? None. If you take ten thousand fools how, on the biblical criteria of a fool, how many of those people are going to be righteous? None. If you take ten million fools, the, the, the point, what's the point, Pastor? The point is I'm making the criteria was set that they're talking about fools people who say in their heart there is no god it doesn't matter how big the, your sample pool is if the person is a fool and fits in that criteria it doesn't matter if it's 10 or 10 million there's not going to be none of them that are that do righteousness or do good no not one why because they're all fools because the sample's tainted because you've got pe- you've got a, a a pool of people that are saying there is no god okay so you understand the the, the these two passages of scripture are both applicable to people who are uh, who have sinned. You know, Isaiah was talking about people who had sinned and made a perpetual uh, habit of having turned their back on the commandments of God and sinning against God. And remember, that word sin, it simply means to miss the mark or to miss the standard. Right? Remember that God's, God's law, God's word is the standard and, and sin, remember, it means to miss the mark. And so anything that is below the standard of what God says, that's sin. So you're talking about a people who had sinned against the Lord and failed to repent even after God gave years and years and years and years to repent, okay? And so that was the people who God said, you know, the prophet was saying, our righteousness is like filthy rags. We've sinned against you, God. We're not even keeping your word. We're fil- or we are as one that's unclean. And then over here in Romans chapter 3, Paul's quoting some scripture from Psalms, and it's talking about the fool. When it says there's none that's righteous, no, not one. Okay? It's talking about fools. Okay? And you understand this. Misinterpretation and misapplication of these two passages has done so much uh, damage to the self-image of the church that it's actually, it has hindered the church because if you think your righteousness is as filthy rags, okay, there's none righteous, no, not one. What is that going to do to your prayer life? What is that going to do to your faith walk if you're walking around with a spiritual inferiority complex? Okay? It is going to pose a handicap to you. And, and you understand some of the ideas that come from that is, well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. And this, is, this one gags me. Please don't anybody from our church ever be witnessing to someone and say, Well, you know, the only difference between you and me is that, you know, I'm forgiven and you're not. No, you're not. Don't you sell God short. People walking around, you understand, there's believers, they, they think it's humility. They think they're walking around being humility and they're going to win people. Well, now you know the only difference between me and you is, is I'm forgiven. What? The blood of Jesus, is all, all it did was got you forgiven? You realize under the law, that a man could take a bull or he could take a goat or he could take a lamb to the priest and they could split that thing's throat, pour its blood out in a basin and take it out and, and, and offer up that blood and, that, and and God forgave them for their sin. And people don't realize, people don't think, believers don't think of, the, of the, how insulting it is to the blood of Jesus to say that His blood only does what the blood of a bull and goat and a lamb would do. Because you could get forgiveness for your sins under the law. But the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, you understand you become because of the blood of Jesus, you can become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen, you become you were dead and now you're alive. Amen That's like saying that's like walking up to someone and say, "Well, you know, uh, you know I'm just forgiven. That's the only difference between us. No, it's not. No, it's not. not if you're really born again, not if you are a believer, not if you're a son of God, because let's just make it real clear. It's so it's so good. I heard someone say the other day, and it was and it's the truth. You think about this. One of the biggest lies at the church and one of the biggest lies that the world has been taught was, well, you know, Jesus came and he preached a message of love and acceptance. Hogwash. Jesus did. You find that in the script? You show me where it says. And Jesus went from village to village, teaching and preaching in their synagogues, a message of love and acceptance. He didn't. What did he? We know what he. He 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 preached and taught the gospel of the kingdom. And Jesus himself said, Don't think that I've come to bring peace. I've come to bring division. Jesus said, Where everybody was all together in one big muddled mass, where everybody was just it was it was just all of lost humanity, Jesus said, I came to bring division because the line's been drawn in the sand. Amen. How many of y'all remember the story when Moses came off the mountain? After he received the ten commandments and the children of Israel were all down there worshiping Baal and everything like that, and and you know, and he got he, Moses come back down from the mountain he drew the line in the and said, everybody wants to serve Yahweh, come over here. They come over. He said, now kill them. The gospel, the gospel, and God, Jesus did not come to preach a little watered down, mealy mouthed little wimpified uh, gospel of. Uh, you know, it's just love and acceptance, love and acceptance. No, He came to pre. He showed the Father's love and He demonstrated the Father's love. But what love is, the world don't even know. Right. People don't got a clue. And a lot of Christians don't have a clue. Love is not, I'll pet you in your sins and let you die and go to hell. Right. Love is, I love you enough to let you know you need to repent. You need to get born again. You need to repent. And you need to get over in the kingdom so you don't die and go to hell. And if there's things that need to be changed, you need to change it. Here's something that won't cost you any extra. How many many people say, "Well, you know, you better get the beam out of your own eye." When you start talking to people, and you're trying to tell them, you know, you know, you really need to, you need to repent, you need to change your ways, you make. Well, you know, I reckon you need to get the get the log out of your own eye. What's what's that verse say? What does that passage of scripture say? It says, "Get the beam out of your eye." Then help your brother get the sawdust out of his... They completely forget about that, don't they? They just want you to go work on the two before in your eye. And if you're talking to them about getting born again and you're already born again, you've got that beam out of your eye. You might have ten other planks poked in your eye for something else, but the plank of getting born again and making Jesus your Lord, if you're saved, if you're born again, you already got that one out and you can help them get that little speck of sawdust out. Okay? Amen? But Jesus came, the message he preached was a, was a message of division. Don't be telling people, well, you know, I'm just an old sinner. Say Only difference between you and me is that I'm forgiven. Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. That's another one that just nauseates me. No duh. Rocket scientist, glory to God. You took a rocket scientist to come up with that one, right? Christians aren't perfect, they're just born again. Amen? They're a new creature. They are the sons of God. Let's just put it this way. It's plain and clear. In the world, like I said, Jesus came to bring division. He came to bring a sword, and it brought division. And the whole world was lost in their sins, and everybody had the same daddy before the same spiritual daddy before Jesus came and before the new birth was available. But let's make it clear: there's two kinds of people in the world. Those are the sons of God and the sons of the devil. Amen. And so, don't be telling. Don't be dissenting. You know, just insulting the blood of Jesus by watering it down. Oh, you know, here's another one. The misapplication, misinterpretation of this. Well, I'm just a worm, you know. I'm just a worm. I, I, when people say, I want to say, what kind of worm are you? Are you an earthworm? Are you a grub worm? Are you a tapeworm? You know, what kind of worm are you? Do I need to go get some worm medication? and Because you know, I've been around you. What kind of worm are you? Okay? I'm just a worm. Or, oh, I just I don't deserve any blessing from God. Oh, if I can just... Oh, if I can just make it through them pearly gates, if I can just get on through, I know God don't—I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything from God. Well, you understand that such uh, uh, such false self-images has destroyed the faith of many in the church and prevents them from fully living in the benefits of the kingdom of God and obtaining victory from many situations. Because if that's the way you think about yourself, you'll never have any confidence. Let's let's give you another example. If you were caught. If you if you were caught on multiple uh, violations, you, you, you know they they pulled you over, man, and you know <laughs> you had 50 pounds of coke in the back of the car, and you had a bunch of loaded weapons and some uh, cop killer loaded up with cop killer bullets, and you know uh, all that, you had all this other junk, and you were caught absolutely red-handed, and you hadn't taken too much of your own product where your brain was fried out, and you had some common sense still left. How could you, if you were caught red-handed and you went before a judge and the judge said, you know what, I, I'm going to pass a sentence on you, how many of you could with confidence say, now, judge, I'm not that bad a person and I really didn't do that much and I need to ask you for just some, for some mercy in this? That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? You couldn't do it. And you know, the whole time, and the prosecutor just got up and got through telling you yeah you did this and this and this and he had this much stuff in his car and it was bad. okay, you wouldn't have any grounds whatsoever to have any confidence that you could go to that judge and ask him for any mercy, could you? You'd be like, man, I'm a dead I'm a dead dog. I am dead meat. This guy's gonna nail me to the wall. Maximum penalty coming up, right? And so you'd have no confidence. Well, you realize that as a believer and you understand this, what the, who's the accuser of the brethren? Who's the Bible say is the accuser of the brethren? Satan, Satan. The Bible. One of the things that the word calls him is the accuser of the brethren. Now, if you're hearing somebody, you're just a, you know, you're just an old filthy rag. You're just, you know, you're just, you know, you're. Uh, you, there's none righteous, no, not one. Oh, you're such a sorry thing, God. Who's that sound like? Who's that talking? Okay, now you understand. If you have sinned and your heart condemns you, and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. It's going to be drawing you back to God, wanting to draw, you, lead you to repentance. The goodness of God leads men to repentance, changing their mind, changing the way you think, changing the way you act. Okay? It's not just thoughts to grind you down and make you low. It's not just something, the intention of it's not that. So you understand that? That, that when something like that comes, that's the accuser of the brethren. That's the devil, okay? You need to understand this. First of all, God has always provided a means of righteousness to man. God has always provided Provide. This is something that you know I don't get into it a lot because it's not real beneficial for most people to teach people. But you know, in in theology, there's they, some schools of theology they teach what they call dispensationalism, okay? And all that means is that it divides the history of man up in different segments of time, slivers of time. You know, the, the age of innocence when man, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they knew no sin and they lived there, and then you know from from there uh to i don't know there's the age of conscience where people live by their conscience toward god then you had the law of moses that you had to come that when the law was given you had to live by the law right now you had the age of grace all right we're in the age of grace and so the the idea behind dispensationalism was at different times god would deal differently with people and, and it's it's so funny i got in a debate with a guy in one of my classes one time about, oh, that's a bunch of hogwash. That What the heck do you mean, dispensationalism? This guy, he's in seminary. I'm like, you're in seminary? You've never heard the word dispensationalism? I mean, that's, hello. And he'd say, oh, that's just a bunch of junk. But let's, let's understand this. You understand this, okay? During, it, this just gives you an, an example of dispensation. Okay? Under the law, and I mentioned this a while ago, when, people, when the people of Israel sinned, they could go and they could offer an animal sacrifice, bring it to the temple to be sacrificed. And when that animal was killed and its blood was poured out and the priest offered its blood upon the altar and made intercession for them, that person's sins were forgiven, weren't they? Yeah, they were forgiven. Okay, let me ask you this. Can we today, when when we sin, can we go down to the farmer's market and get a lamb and take it up to a temple and have someone cut its throat and drain the blood and take the blood and pour the blood out and get forgiveness of our sins by having a lamb's blood poured out no why not because it's a different dispensation and so you understand at one point in time there was something that god said i'm giving you this and if you go by this you can be righteous before me because you understand that there was people uh, uh, the, the, so it depends on the dispensation of time but God has always, in every dispensation, God's made it an opportunity for man to be righteous or in right standing with him. I want to give you an example real quick. Turn, uh, you're there in Romans chapter 3. Go ahead and turn over to Romans chapter 4. And I am going to start reading verse 1. It says, What well, shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, it has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him, what? Righteousness. Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him, righteousness. So you see, you understand this is hundreds of years before the law. This is over 400 years before the law of Moses was given. And so Abraham, remember, God spoke, God appeared to Abraham, God spoke to him, and, get, and God made a promise to him, and Abraham said, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I believe you. I believe your word, I believe what you're telling me is true, I believe you, God. And what does the Bible say? That God counted his faith as righteousness to him. Did that mean Abraham was perfect? No. It didn't mean that everything he did. That. You understand this, when the Bible talks about being perfect, it doesn't mean without any flaw or error. It means mature. That word typically it interprets mature. Abraham, he was not perfect in the sense that he was flawless, but he was perfect in the sense that he was righteous before God. Because God told him something, God gave him his word, and God said, you believe me, I'm accounting it to you as righteousness. You're righteous before me, Abraham. You can come before me without any fear, without any... You understand, think about this. Abraham... This is a guy that's bargaining with God. Please don't kill don't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. What'd he start out with? Fifty? Oh God, if there's fifty righteous people there, will you spare it? And he and he didn't have a whole lot of confidence there's that many people there. And he whittled God what, all the way down to five? Was he whittled all the begged God all the way bargained with God? And he's sitting there bargaining with God. The, oh, the audacity of someone to bargain with God, to plead, to plead the case of someone with God. Oh how uh, and if you told somebody that day, if you said if you said, man, I was praying and pouring my heart out to God and just begging Him for mercy and interceding for this person and saying, God, I know this, but God pleases and and I'm bargaining with God and I'm saying, God, I'm standing on Your word, God, I'm saying, I know that You're merciful God, and, and you start telling somebody that you were starting to 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 bargain with God, you, I'm in negotiations with the Most High God, they think, man, you're just, you're you're crazy. And most Christians would think you were a heretic. Oh, you think you're going to change God's mind? You think you're going to change God's mind? Abraham did, didn't he? Is the Bible full of examples when God said, I'm going to do something that was carrying out punishment on someone, and someone stood the gap and prayed, went to... Let me ask you this. If Abraham thought, oh, I'm just a worm, I'm just a worm. Now, he humbled himself before the Lord. He said, Lord, he said, I'm just dust, I'm just dust and ashes. But he didn't. You understand this, that even when he humbled himself... He was talking about his container. I'm dust and ashes. He didn't doubt his righteousness. You go, you go back and you study that. Out. When Abraham, when he humbled himself before the Lord, he didn't say, oh God, I don't deserve anything. I'm just an old sorry thing, God. I don't deserve anything. You know, I don't even have a right to talk to you. No, he just said, I, I'm, I, I'm dust and ashes. He said, but Lord, he said, just, just see me. He, he, he humbled himself before God, but he never doubted his right standing and his righteousness before God. Amen? Okay? And so you see that Abraham was justified. He was made righteous before God just because he believed God. Okay? Go ahead and turn to Philippians uh, chapter 3. So there's one example of how someone had righteousness with God. And this was before... this was, You understand that's before Jesus was on the cross. You understand that's before Jesus made the sacrifice, before Jesus' blood was shed... So that shows you that during that dispensation of time, God made righteousness available to someone. Amen? Philippians uh, chapter 3. And we want to start with uh, verse 2. And, and Paul's saying, beware of dogs. Amen? You know he's not talking about canines. He's talking about Judaizers that are following him from town to town and every place that he's preaching salvation by faith in jesus christ they're coming along behind him saying oh yeah but you got this jesus guy but now you need to go get circumcised and you need to observe the jewish law and blah 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 and you do this it says beware of the dogs beware of the evildoers uh beware of the false circumcision for we who are of the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of god glory in christ jesus and put no confidence in the flesh and then he goes on to say, "...although I myself might have confidence..." Remember we talked about when you, when you know you're righteous that you can have confidence. Paul says, "...although I myself, uh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as of the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, uh, persecutor of the church, as to righteousness which was in the law..." found blameless amen what's that mean as of righteousness in the law i was blameless what paul's saying is during that dispensation before jesus came when the law was in place okay and you understand this paul's heart was obviously wrong right? i mean you don't be going out and killing people right i mean he was there when stephen was stoned but now you understand he did it ignorantly paul said that in one place he said you know he said i didn't know what i was doing God knows I did it in ignorance and I thought that he he thought that he was honoring God. But Paul said here that when it came to the law, what law? The law of Moses. The observation of the law of Moses. Paul said, he said, as to righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. In other words, because when if when we were still under the law, I had complete righteousness with God because I kept the law of Moses. I didn't transgress it. And so really what he's saying... And so what, what's your point, Pastor, What he's saying? My point is, is I'm trying to show you, God, ever since creation, God has made righteousness available to mankind. God has always had something in place. There's always been something. And you understand this, that in the beginning, there was no sin, there was no transgression, Adam and Eve. There had never been any sin. So they were automatically in right standing with God, in righteousness. And then from the fall... When, when man fell from dominion, right? When man fell from dominion and he lost his righteousness, why? Because he violated the word of the king. He broke the law. He broke the law, the word of the king. He lost his righteousness, spiritually died, and ever since that, up to the time Jesus came to die on the cross, God is still he's got, making provisions for people to make them righteous. Why? Why? Amen, Lord God. Help me, Lord, to get yourself. The reason why was because God, for God's will to be done on the earth, God has to have people He's in covenant with. And for, before people will, will, will come to God... Amen. I'm going to jump ahead of myself a little We're going to continue this next week. I'm going to jump ahead of myself just a little bit. I'm not going to do that, Lord. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Before people... Would carry out God's law before God's. God, people have to be righteous before they can work with them, right? God's looking for men. God is, and when I say when I say man, I mean mankind. Okay, you understand that that male and female both are mankind before God. Okay, it's just your Earth suit assignment when you're here, is male or female. Okay, but the the spirit of man, mankind, God's looking for men and women on the Earth, and He can only work with the righteous. And so ever since the fall, from the time period from the fall until Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, shed His blood and took His blood and poured it out on the mercy seat of heaven and made righteousness available through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, God was like, i still got to make a way for people to be righteous. And so He made all these ways. There was righteousness by faith of Abraham, which is right back. You know, Abraham was justified by his faith in God's Word. We're justified by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, amen. But you understand, God wants people to be righteous because God has to have people who are in right standing with Him, right? Has to have people that are in right standing with Him that have the confidence that when they come to Him, they're not like someone uh, on the, at a stoplight with an expired tag and a state trooper behind them. Uncomfortable. Oh, I know I'm unworthy. I know I'm in violation of the law. Man, I know they could bust me right now if they want to. If they see that, they could pull me over right now and make me uh, and give me a ticket. And God can't work with people, and He cannot He cannot uh, work with people through uh, through people to accomplish His will on the earth. If you're sitting there thinking, Hmm, now He knows I'm unrighteous. God knows, you know, God knows I'm not in right standing. I just hope He don't look my way, cause man, He might bust me with a lightning bolt and kill me or something, cause I'm a mess. Why? Because if you're more sin conscious than you are righteousness conscious then it compromises your confidence toward God and you'll never have any boldness and confidence toward God to do anything and you understand this we're not talking about going to heaven we're not talking not- I'm not talking about going to heaven I'm talking about your assignment on the earth Lord Jesus some things you just wish God had just kept as a big secret you know how much how much more effective would the church be if Everybody wasn't just thinking, get saved and die and go to heaven, get saved and die and go to heaven. If we just thought it was get saved and just advance God's kingdom on the earth and, and then, you know, when you died you know, and you woke up and you're like, oh, where am I? Lord, there's the throne of God. Jesus went, surprise! <laughs> you get to stay up here for a while. Huh? How, uh, you seem like people, but there's, two, there's a disproportionate amount of attention paid on going to heaven when we need to be concentrating on the king, His kingdom come, His will be done on earth just like it is in heaven, and it will never be done as long as people have a nagging consciousness, a sin consciousness, not believing in their righteousness. Amen? We'll continue this next week. We'll finish this up next week. Are you legal? Amen? When you're legal, you have confidence before the Lord. Right? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come...